Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us online. We are so grateful to have you. And listen, if this is your first time joining, we are so honored that you decided to join us. Whether you're watching this in your home or maybe listening to it in your car, or maybe today you find yourself lonely, angry, frustrated, depressed, overwhelmed by life, we believe that God, He wants to speak to you today. And maybe you're full of joy. Maybe you've got so much hope. I want to encourage you that God wants to continue to be a light to your path. And we believe the Word of God, it's powerful. So lean into this message, check it out. I'll be with you right after this. Come on in. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. Um, happy Mother's Day. And, and I do want to say that this is a beautiful holiday and also sometimes a sad one for some. So what I love about God is that we, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. So whether it's a good day for you or a hard one, we just want to say thank you for being here. And, and I believe truly like God's going to speak to you. Do you believe that? I believe God speaks to us. I believe that he uses his word as we open it up and um, he encourages our souls. And um, what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is I'd like to, um, happy Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day. I'd like to do is I'd like to just get um, some of the uh, stuff we have to do at the end out of the way right now. Is that all right? So if this is your first time, I'm so glad you're here. We say you don't have to believe to belong. We just love that you're here and we would love for you to get connected. So there's a QR code on the back of your seat. We'd love for you to get connected. And if this is your home church, I, I cannot express as much how, much how thankful we are for those who give financially week in and week out to make our church happen. We just could not do it without your generosity. And um, in Hawaii, I have learned you do not come to someone's house empty-handed and we do not come to the house of God empty-handed God has been good to us our money is not ours it belongs to God when people ask why do you talk so much about money I often say to them we actually spent about 30 seconds doing it you just think about it a lot um, and I am so thankful though for those who give and the idea with money is not that it, we would have money but that money would not have us and our money does not belong to us it belongs to God our children are not ours, moms. They belong to God. And we have the honor and privilege of stewarding both our resources, our children, our families, our communities. So thank you so much, those who are giving. Even I see you moving right now, right now. Checks doing it right now. We are so thankful. All right. Are you ready? I got to tell you, I feel like every week right now, church keeps getting better and better. How about you? Come on. Can we thank God? God meets us where we expect. Even if you're watching this online right now, God will meet you where you expect. If you're in the overflow, can we give it up for the people in the overflow right now? God, God meets you where you expect. Do you expect God to speak today? I do. I truly do. I expect God to speak. Not that I would speak, but that you would hear God through a broken vessel. That's the amazing thing about the gospel is that God includes us in the story and he speaks to us. Would you do this with me? Would you open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1? 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Jesus, I thank you for our time together. God, I thank you you're going to take this moment as we read the Word of God. And God, you are going to impart life to us. God, that we would walk in here one way and we would leave another way. God, I pray that we would be transformed by the renewing and the changing of our mind, as it says in Romans 12, God. God, that we would not become so well-adjusted to the culture that we would fit right in without even thinking, but instead be transformed by the renewing and the changing of our mind. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Okay, Romans, sorry, that was Romans 12. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're in a 
a series of uh, talks about the right medication. How many know that Jesus is the right medication for our soul? Jesus is the medication that we need. Jesus is the health that we need. Jesus is the life that we need. How many know we all have a sickness and it's called sin? And sin, it kills us. But Jesus gives us life and replaces our death with his life as we receive him. Jesus is the best medication you can take for your soul. And in a culture, in a world of attention, in an economy of attention, when everything is trying to take from us, it is so important that we are putting the right things in us and Jesus is the right thing to get inside of our souls and our hearts. The next thing that changes our lives and gives us brain health and mind health and the renewing and the changing of our mind in Romans 12 is that we get the word of God in us, that we get God's word in us. As you get young person who just met Jesus or new to the body of Christ or new to the family of faith, as you get the word of God in you, and as you're watching online in your house, wherever you are, turn with me to 1 Samuel 1. It will change you from the inside out. We believe that with all of our hearts. Do you believe that? I believe God's word is the right medication for our soul. We're going to read 1 Samuel 1. And before I do that, I want to just set up this part of the Bible, this beautiful part of the Bible that includes 1 Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 2. I hope you drank your coffee because I'm going to teach for a moment. And it, it encompasses this woman that we're going to read about is a woman named Hannah. And this journey, she has, gives birth to a son named Samuel. And through this woman, a monarch begins. A kingdom is established. She has a son, and his name is Samuel. And her son Samuel is the prophet that goes to David and goes to King David and anoints him to be king and establishes a 575-year period where God speaks to his people through kings and priests and prophets and judges. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, God speaks. Then there are, after that, 400 years where God is silent. And then we go into the New Testament. So we're about to read the story of a woman who gives birth to a kingdom, not of this world only, but a spiritual one for the people of Israel so that God could do something incredible through them. Do you know you don't know what's inside of you sometimes? Do you know I bet Hannah didn't realize what God was doing in that moment through her? Do you know I thought she, she was, you know, we know that she was experiencing so much pain and so much anguish, but God had a purpose in the middle of her pain? Are you with me? Did I lose you? Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2. There was a man named Elkanah. That's a pretty cool name, huh? Elkanah? Elk? They call, his friends call him Elk for short. Elk had two wives. I can't handle one. Don't laugh in church. It's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. It says this in verse 2, that Elkanah, he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children. But Hannah had none. Year after year, the man went up from this town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. 
Whenever the day came for Elkanah's sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina, as is the custom, and to all the sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And I want you to underline this and highlight it in your Bible because I see all of you reading your Bibles right now. And it says, the Lord closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. People are mean. Then went year after year. When Hannah, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Man, this guy thought he was something else, huh? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In, deep, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And if you don't mind, we're going to go there so you can underline that. All the days of his life, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor will ever used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Have you ever been that sad? Have you ever cried that much where you have no words? You literally cannot speak a word. That's where she was. Eli thought she was drunk, wow, and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here for, for my, from my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you asked for him, of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went in the way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. I love that she got a word from God and she changed her countenance even though she hadn't gotten her miracle yet. It says, early the next morning they arose and worshipped him before the Lord and they went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. The word Samuel, it means God hears. God hears. Can we thank the incredible Allison for making that sound so much better? <clears throat> Have you ever been provoked? Hey, we're not a quiet church, okay? We talk. Have you ever been provoked? Yes. I've been provoked. You know, um, my children provoke me, to be very honest with you. Last night in the car, we're driving home, right? Last night, and I look in my rearview mirror. You know, dad's in the rearview mirror? Dangerous, right? I look back in that rearview mirror, and I see Izzy hitting Noah. And you know how, like, they get scared because, like, hey, I see you, you know, freaking out. Like, oh, my God. You know, but she's trying to hit her, and then, and then she goes, oh, Noah hit me. It's like, no, you hit Noah. Provoke, provoke, provoke. Have you ever been provoked? I, I've, I get provoked. You know, what God's looking for us often is not, um, he's not looking for a reaction. He's looking for a response. 
You know, every moment you have a moment to be provoked and to act or react in anger, or you can respond with the grace of God. You can respond with the holiness of God. And the reason why we stop on Sunday morning, stay here with me for a moment. The reason why we come here on Sunday morning is so that we would not react, but we would respond to God. Not respond to the world, not react to the world, but respond to what God is doing. I remember when I was in second grade, I was provoked. I had an anger issue, slight one, small one. And I'll never forget, there was a kid named Samuel, not this Samuel in the Bible, Samuel Feliciano, never forget his name. He had a big butt, big butt. And he, every single day in second grade, he would walk past my table, my desk, my, my desk. You know how you the desk and like you had your books and stuff inside the desk? And I don't know if you kids even have those now. I'm not sure. They're like, you know, it's like we have a computer, whatever. Um, but I had all my books there, and he would hit my desk, and he would knock it, and all my stuff would pour out. And this happened day after day, you know. So I'm praying, beseeching, beseeching the Lord, Father, please. Um, and one day I took my pencil, and I had that pencil, and I turned the pointed part of the pencil, and I was like, when he walks by, I'm going to stab him right in his big butt. So I took my pencil and I jammed it into his butt. (laughs) Except the pencil was flipped and the eraser went into his butt and he went, ooh. And I went, ah! And my hand to this day, true story, I still have lead. There's a piece of, this is that God reminded me of my provoking affliction. It is still, the pencil stuck into my hand. And literally, I was like, oh, my God. And I remember going, oh, my gosh, the pencil is in my hand. And, and Samuel Feliciano turns around and goes, what happened? <laughs> you ever been provoked? Man, being provoked is next level. Sometimes we're provoked by humans. And in this story, God bless you, baby. Sometimes we're provoked by humans, which is absolutely true. And then sometimes we are not provoked by humans. Sometimes God, he will provoke you for a purpose. Where do you get that from? We're going to read in a second. But it's interesting because this story articulates that this woman, Penina, and her family kept irritating her and provoking her. That is true. But let me go higher level. Sometimes it's not man provoking you. Sometimes the culture and the community and the people around you are provoking you. But oftentimes God is behind the scenes doing something that you cannot see. And what looks like natural evil and people might actually be God bringing you somewhere that you cannot see yet. You see, some of you are like, yeah, but the text says this. I know what the text says, but we've got to take a moment and step back. And this is why we take Sunday morning and we stay still for a second, because I believe that some of you are in a situation where you have felt frustration, you have felt pain, and God is actually provoking you for a purpose. What does the Bible say? We read in 1 Samuel 1, verse 6, it says what? The Lord closed her womb. The Lord shut her womb. Hannah's womb was shut by who? By man? By God. God's evil. Why would God do such a thing? Why would he make her barren? Why would he cause that? I think sometimes we've got very natural questions about very supernatural things. I think sometimes we're asking ourselves things that are not above, that are above our pay grade. 
I think sometimes we've got natural questions for supernatural moments that God is actually looking to show and reveal us something greater and more grander than we can possibly imagine. God was going to bring Hannah into a season where she would give birth to a son and he would literally be given over to God for the work of God because God had 575 years of plans for this young man. He didn't have a weekend plan for him. He had a generational plan for him. And sometimes we are only looking at the weekend. We're looking at how our kids screwed up last night. We're looking at the mistakes we made. We're looking at the trauma and the trials that we've gone through. And we do not see the bigger picture in the moment. But what I love about the word of God is that we read it and we find God is often up to something much more than we can see right now. When I preach to you today, I don't think I'm just preaching to you. I believe I'm preaching to generations that will go after you. I don't think that I'm just preaching to one community. I think I'm preaching to several communities. I don't think I'm just preaching to one family. I believe I'm preaching to legacies. I believe that I'm not just preaching to one person's idea. I believe in you there'll be destiny and purpose, and God will bring out businesses and ideas, entrepreneurial ideas that will change literally not just here, the here and now, but will change things forever, and you will build communities of faith that focus on God. I believe that God is doing more than we can possibly imagine. So we're talking about the right medication. So today I just simply want to present to you before we have our panel next week, and I think it's very important that you come for it. I think it's going to be really powerful, but I want to simply just give you three healthy thoughts that I believe we should all have based on this scripture. Is that okay? Are you with me? Do you like this? Okay, well, it's over in 20 minutes and 18 seconds. First healthy thought is God will provoke you for a purpose. And not only will God provoke you for a purpose, but I want to say this. God will often put you in a position to make a decision. I believe that God will often put you in a position to make a decision. He will put you in a position to either react or respond. And what we do, given the free will that we have, makes all the difference. The craziest thing about God is that God invites us into the story. And if we arrogantly respond, no, I got this, we are in trouble more than we realize. We talk about brain health. We've been, we're talking about mental health this month. As we talk about that, part of the problem with the American society in this vast, incredible moment that we are in, that we find ourselves in, is we know or we think we know way too much. We're too smart for our own good. We, we, we think we have more information we've ever had. We believe we're more scientific than ever before. In fact, I love scientists, but we've made them gods. We've made doctors gods. We've made people and society and technology. We're so afraid of AI. Or some of you aren't. You don't even know what it is. And I get that too. But we're so afraid of what's happening because we have no holy reverence for God as we talked about last week. But I believe in this moment, we don't have this this time that God has given us and he's not sending anyone else. He's not sending C.S. Lewis right now. I don't know where he is, but he's not here. He's not sending Isaac Newton at the moment. I don't know where he is, but he's not right here. He's not sending Smith Wigglesworth or John the Baptist. He's not sending another Sarah or another Esther. Right now, he's going to use you. Hello, are you with me? And Hannah felt really ordinary, but God had something supernatural for her. Hannah had a natural problem that she could not overcome, but God had something supernatural in store. 
God will put you in a position to make a decision. In Exodus 20, verse 20, last week we read what? That God spoke to them and said this. He said, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. What? God has come to test you. God tests me? Yeah, God's testing you. God's seeing what's in you. Do you know crisis is the greatest revealer? Do you know when you put someone's back up against a wall, you see what's in them? Do you know when you go through a hard time, people see who you really are? Do you know when you get prodded and proked and provoked over and over again, all of a sudden we start to see what's really in a person? That's why if you're dating, I'd encourage you to see people through different seasons or when the medication's on or it wears off. Hello. See us in highs and see us in lows. Make sure that you see people in different situations. I love the community of faith as we grow, but I'm also watching and God is testing us. What are these people really about? What are they interested in right now? What are they looking for? I want to encourage you right now that you are in a season where God might be testing you and we have to choose if we're going to respond or react. In Joshua 24, there was a moment when the culture and the world was out of control and there were so many different things to believe. And and Joshua said this, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in those lands you are living. But as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. You have a decision today who you're going to serve. You have a decision today who you're going to put first in your life. You know, Hannah's moment here of her natural barrenness is indicative of something much larger happening in all of Israel at the moment. So Hannah's natural journey of barrenness is indicative of spiritual state of Israel at the moment. If you look at it in scholars and context and theologians would give you ideas and realities that you'd see that how the children of Israel in this moment, they were actually barren as well. You see, the prophet Eli had, had, had been disobedient, to, so the priest Eli had been disobedient to God. And his sons were living ungodly lives. And because he had been disobedient and he did not keep his house in order, God's voice ceased from speaking to them. And Israel itself and the people were in a barren season because of this. In a barren season, you're going to have to choose. And I believe that we are in one right now. And I believe God is also shifting it because we, over the last couple of years, have forgotten a very important word called sovereignty because we have become kings of our own destiny, thinking that we have things in control. And we realize through the COVID-19 moment and this whole pandemic, we have realized that really we are not in control. And what we have forgotten is that self-dependency does not lead us anywhere good. What we need is self surrender. We need to surrender to God. I've got two pills here, okay? If I've lost you a little bit, this might help, okay? So I've got self-dependency. The pill, do you know you take pills every day? You may not know it, but you take pills when you open up your Instagram. When you will read the first thing you read, when you open your email, these are pills. There's all kinds of dopamine and things being released in your mind and your brain. There's all kinds of stuff happening. And what I want us to do is be smart enough to realize that we often have a moment every single day, especially in this culture, like never before, and we can take the pill of self-dependency. And I have to be very forthright with you. This pill It might feel good in a second when you do all the things and you control your life, but at some point, your life will not be in your control. At some point, it will lead self-dependency. If you take this prescription, I I wrote a a prescription for this, each one. I'm not a doctor, just to be clear. But if you take this over time, it will lead to devastation 
or unhealthy thinking. But if you take the pill of self-surrender, which is you saying, God, I, I choose you over myself, it will lead to this. If you take the prescription daily, it will lead to godly desperation, curing our sickness through surrender. So the way that we get made whole is not by taking control. The way that we get made whole is by surrendering our lives to God and not just doing it once, but we read in Romans 12, it is a daily decision to take our everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. In view of God's mercy, this is what we do. And I've got good news and bad news for you today. The reality of it is we're either going to face desperation or devastation. Every move of God we're on the precipice of one right now. If it's not already currently underway, I promise you it comes one of two ways. You can study revivals. You study the, the history of a move of God. You study the history of when it gets dark and when light comes out. It happens two ways. Is there a third option? Is there a third pill? No. It's devastation or desperation. People either become devastated from their current circumstances and go, I've got so much anxiety, I've got so much fear, I've got so much worry, I, I don't know what to do, and they hit rock bottom. Or they make a decision, God, I am going to surrender and I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to do what Hannah did. I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to throw myself on the altar and I am going to surrender my future to you and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. That is what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane and it changed the world forever. What are you going to choose today? today? Depending on yourself or depending on God? God will provoke you for a purpose. And I want to give you a second healthy thought. It's God's time for favor and saving. It's God's time for saving. Excuse me. It's God's time for favor and saving. I want to read this to you in 2 Corinthians 6.2. It says this. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And Paul the Apostle says this, that God says, I tell you now, it's the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This sounds so paradoxical to where we are today. But I just want to let you know, in Paul's day, when he said it, it sounded the same way. It also sounded the same way when Joshua said, as for me and my house amongst the Amorites, I will serve the Lord. You see, there's always been a time and a season where the word of God did not sound like the world around it. Hello, are you with me? And today God is saying to us, it is the time of my favor, but I don't see favor. Oh no, but the Bible says it's the time of my favor. What do you believe? And I want to ask you, whose report will you believe? Because if you're watching Fox News, you're not going to get this. If you're watching CNN, it's not going to tell you this. If you're going through your algorithm, it's not going to tell you it is Luke 4, the year of God's favor, Jubilee. It's the year when God's about to break out. It's not going to tell you any of this. It's going to tell you how rancid, how bad, how evil. It's going to be critical. Are you going to the comments section on Instagram? It's going to tell you how bad people, you can't believe anything. There's misinformation everywhere on both sides. The left's evil, the right's evil. What side are you on? Pick the worst of two evils. No, it's the year of God's favor, the Bible says, and today is the day of salvation. What is that? Well, that's an opportunity that God is saving. You see, right now, there's a little church in Hawaii, in Waimanalo, and they believe with all their hearts that God is doing the saving, that it's not them. Oh, I thought that was us. Yeah, it, it, it's... Oh, we believe God's doing the saving. Oh, we believe that it's the year of God's favor. You're not going to believe this. We're seeing miracles. 
You're not going to believe this. We're seeing breakthrough. You're not going to believe this. We're seeing people's eyes open. You're not going to believe this. People are going from death to life. You're not going to believe this. Young people who everyone thinks is written off because they don't got it together and they don't know what's going on, they are surrendering their lives to Jesus. And I got to tell you something, church. There is a movement happening in Hawaii, and there are a bunch of people that are saying, you know what? I don't need the self-dependency anymore. What I need is self-surrender. I need to give my life to God. Get old school, pick up the old good word of God, the best pillbox you can possibly pick up, stand on his word, read his word, get it inside your soul, and guess what's going to happen? A community of faith is going to become desperate for the things that matter the most. They're going to start to cry out for the next generation. They're going to begin to say, man, I think God's up to something. I think God wants to move right now. I think God is breathing right now. I think something's happening right now. Do you believe that? No, we have ants instead. You know what ants are? My friend talked about it this week. I loved it. We, I was at a conference with 650 pastors. And my friend said, pa- a- pastors have ants. Ants in their pants. Ants are automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. Do you know you have 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day? It's not wild. Like little decisions you're making constantly, driving your car. And do you know of those 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts you have? Do you know most of them are negative? 70% roughly of your thoughts are negative thoughts. And that, that, that scale slides down as you put yourself in a position where you are self-dependent and you start relying on what you know instead of what God says about you and he knows. But there's also a change that can happen as you begin to get the word of God in you, is that you go from these automatic negative thoughts to all of a sudden automatic positive thoughts, and all of a sudden God begins to change your life from the inside out. And what we need today is not these negative thoughts to consume us. We need the word of God and the scripture of God and to demand and to claim and to believe something like this. I tell you now, it's the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. No matter how dark the night looks, no matter how bleak it is, it is God's favor. The church is the worst when there's political unrest. When there's a lot of chatter, but not really a lot of other things. The church is the worst when it's not actually dark, but it just seems dark. You want to know why we're the worst in this moment? Because we buy the cultural lie of where things are at. Do you know when hell, when all hell breaks out and, and it, there's really actually war, like, and there's real persecution happening in the streets, do you know that's when the church shines the brightest? Do you know historically when it's time to build orphanages for people that need homes, we're the best? Do you know when it's time when people are actually dying and they need hospitals built, that's when Christians step up the best? Do you know it's not during a time when Twitter's great or that's the way we get our information? We actually need our backs up against the wall in order to see things happen. And I think that when I look at this moment with Hannah, it was so important because Hannah had her back up against the wall. You see, Hannah had to make a decision. I've got something I want God to do. Are you with me? Third healthy thought, and Allison's helping us close. Number one, God will provoke you for a purpose. Number two, it's God's time for favor and saving. And number three, we're going to go back to the passage, a healthy thought. I believe this will change your life. It's God's will you surrender all. It is God's will, not your will. It is God's will that you surrender all. It says this, to go back to the passage, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. 
And she says, and we're going to skip down, and it says, Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. I love that Hannah takes the very thing she wants so badly. And because she wants something so badly, she supernaturally decides, I am going to surrender it to God. I want you to write this down. There's a big difference between praying for it and surrendering all of it. Okay, bear with me. Have you been praying for certain things? Yes, you should be saying, you should all go, yes, I've been praying for something. What have you been praying for? See, what Hannah had to have happen in her life is she had to get to a place where she could no longer pray for it because it wasn't working. Oh, no, no, you're not hearing me. You see, she was praying for a child because she wanted a child. She wanted her child. But she had to get to a place where she said, God, even if I don't have this child, I want you to have this child. You see, some of you are praying for money. You're praying for a job. You're praying for a career. You're praying for things that you think you need. And what God is looking for is not prayers for. God is praying, looking for prayers of surrender. By the way, I'm not talking to just the person who's made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm talking to the believer right now. You're on the journey with God. God is not looking for what you want God to do. God is looking for you to throw up your hands in the air and say, God, I surrender it to you. You want me to have this child? You're going to have to do it. You want me to have the life that you prayed and I, pray, and I, I know is in my heart? You're going to have to do it. God, I'm going to surrender this season to you. You know what our problem is, moms, dads? We think our children are ours. My kids. Biblically speaking, they're not your kids. Don't throw anything at me. Don't throw, don't throw your lay at me. They're not your kids. They're God's. You're stewards and taking care of what God has put in them. What? Well, I wanted to have a baby and I couldn't. I know. They're God's. But it's hard. I know. But they're God's. You know, I want money. Money. My money. My money. It's not your money. Oh, big, big. I'm telling you. You want healthy thinking? You, you, this will change your life. Your money's not yours. Oh, uh, ah, you know, it's mine. It's mine. It's not yours. It's God's. Your money belongs to God. You are a steward. You see, you're not an owner. You're a caretaker. And the moment you get that through your mind, it changes your entire life. You live differently because you stop trying to control things you have no control over. You know, it's so funny, but Elkanah, this dude, this dude, Elkanah, stay with me. I only got three minutes left. Elkanah, this dude, right? This dude says to her, come on, Hannah, I'm giving you double portions. Don't forget your dream of having a, a son. It's okay. And he is encouraging Hannah to settle. You know the culture right now is encouraging you to settle? Young person, hear me. It's encouraging. No, 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 no. Just take this medication. No, 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 no. Just get a part of this algorithm. Don't, don't create. Just look at what we're creating. Just do what we're doing. No, no. God has got a dream inside of your hearts. And some of you, even as I'm speaking right now, God is resurrecting them. God is telling you that dream that you thought was dead, that thing you didn't think was going to happen, actually it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen the way you thought it was going to happen. God is going to ask you to surrender your dreams, your life, and your future and place it before Him as an offering. And I promise you, you're not going to experience death. 
In fact, you are going to experience life and life more abundantly, Uncle Paul. God is going to do more than you can possibly imagine in this season. Do you believe it? I'm in a season of surrender, church. I don't know about you. I'm going, God, this is not my church. It's your church. You don't think I worry about money? I do. You don't think I worry about how we're going to pay the bills next month? I do. Heading into the summer, like people are going to give? I don't know. People will bounce in Hawaii in the summer. My, 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 my. Oh, wait. Oh, this is not mine. It's God's. God, I turn it over to you. I surrender. God, you want this church to grow? Great. You want the finances to grow? Great. You want my family to grow? Great. God, you want to do this? Great. God, I surrender to you. And there's a big difference between settling and surrender, but sometimes it looks subtle. Do you hear what I said? There's a big difference between settling and surrender, but it looks subtle. Surrendering looks like this sometimes, throwing your hands up and sitting back and being quiet, trusting God. You know what settling looks like sometimes? Throwing your hands up, stepping back, and being quiet. You see, subtle and and settling, uh, uh, settling and, and surrendering look very subtle. They look very the same. Sometimes there's a subtle nuance. And the nuance is this, is that you're giving your heart up before God. And what I believe that God wants you to do is not settle. Be so careful that you do not settle. But I believe that God is calling you to surrender because he has something great and divine that he wants to do in and through of you. And I want to encourage you. This is what happens when you surrender. I'm going to read you 10 moments in the Bible when people surrender to Jesus. Saul, later known as Paul, he was blinded by a bright light on his way to Damascus. He surrendered to Jesus and he regained his sight in Acts 9. In Luke 23, the thief on the cross, he asked Jesus to remember him. He surrendered to him and he was promised paradise. In Mark 2, the paralyzed man was lowered through the roof. Jesus forgave his sins and healed him when he surrendered to him. Mary Magdalene in Luke 8, she surrendered to Jesus and he delivered her from seven demons or mental illness. In John 21, 15, Peter, he surrendered to Jesus after denying him three times and he was restored to leadership. In Mark 5, verse 25, the woman with the issue of blood, she was sick for 12 years. She had gone to every doctor, every naturopath, every person that she possibly could. But then she surrendered her life and grabbed the cloak of Jesus' garment and said, he will heal me. He is the one. And she surrendered to him and she was healed when man could not heal her. The demon-possessed man and the Gerasians, he had several demons. He surrendered to Jesus, and he was delivered from his demons in Mark 5. In John 4, the Samaritan woman at the well, she surrendered to Jesus and was saved, bringing many others to Jesus. Her surrender initiated the surrender of others. Do you know your surrender is a generational type of surrender? You know laying down your life before God is going to cause others to lay their lives down before God? Do you know that you might be a roadblock or a pathway to others' victory and salvation? Do you know that God doesn't just use the preacher? He is going to use you? Blonde by Emmaus in Mark 10, it says this, he surrendered to Jesus and he was healed by his blindness. Do you know when you've been dark and you cannot see, you surrender to God, all of a sudden you can, be, you can begin to see? And not just naturally, but spiritually. The prodigal son, he surrendered to his father and he was restored to his family. We are to respond to God by surrender. The first step of salvation is surrender. But I wanted that baby. 
but I wanted that guy. But I wanted this. I wanted that. You gotta surrender. But it's hard, I know. But it's worth it. You see, Jesus, in exchange for you, he gives you more than you could possibly imagine. What pill are you gonna take today? Are you gonna trust God? Are you gonna trust the cure for your soul, Jesus? Are you going to trust the culture and the world around you? Every head bowed and every eye closed. My God, here I am again, God. Back at your altar. Back here, God, surrendering. Opening up my heart to what you can do. Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus that people would surrender to you, Lord. If you're in here and you are in desperate need of Jesus, I mean, maybe you've been coming to church, you've been attending church, but you have not surrendered. Maybe there's been a subtle difference between your settling and your surrender, and today you are saying, God, I want to give you everything, and you are in this room and you need Jesus, I want you to lift your hand. If you are in here, I see your hand, I see your hand. If you're in here and you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I don't know where I'd spend eternity, heaven or hell, you can know today by deciding to follow Jesus. You join these people with their hand lifted. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hands. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more moment. If you are not sure about God, he is sure about you. If you don't know the plans that God has for you today, you don't need to know all the plans. You just need to know the one who created you, and he will reveal his plans to you. You can surrender your life to him, and I promise you will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for this holy moment. God, I thank you for this moment of surrender. Amen. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Come on. Can we, can, we, can we thank God for all that he's doing? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you say this with me as a church family? Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Give me a fresh start. I want to be a follower of you. Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I make you Lord. Jesus, I receive you. In your name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, can we thank God? Thank you, church family, for joining us online today. If you just made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to encourage you. That is the greatest decision you can possibly make. We would love to help you along on the journey. A simple way to do that is just to click the link below, and there's a button that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. We would love to give you some practical next steps. The other thing we want to tell you about is how you make the house a home is you join community. We believe you grow within community, and we do that through rooms. We've got rooms that meet all over the island and also all over the islands and even on the mainland. We're starting live rooms that are going to be happening on Sunday mornings, and we are so excited to bring the message of the gospel everywhere and into your living room. We also want to thank our giving community, those who give week in and week out. There's a link below that you can click on, but we are so thankful for your generosity. We believe the life of the generous, it gets larger and larger. Thank you for sowing into this soil. Thank you for being committed to this journey with us, and we'll see you back here next time.